Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 13 through 19. Though we may refer to other parts of this chapter, or the chapter before, in a few moments. Breaking into the middle of this account of the announcement of the birth of Christ, we read in verse 13, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. We're going to end there our reading, taking our text 19. Again, where it says, and, but Mary kept all these things and in her heart. And I want us to think this morning on pondering and the good of it. And may the Lord be pleased to allow his word to speak to our hearts for Jesus' sake. Before we go further, let's ask the Lord to meet with us and bless his word. Our Father and our God, now we pray that thou wouldst bless the word of God. It is the living word. It is profitable in all ways for our souls. For it tells us of the Lord Jesus. It tells us of his work. It tells us of his heart and his love. It tells us about ourselves. Lord, all these things we need. And Lord, for this morning, Lord, we also have to say all these things we desire. We want to know more of the Lord Jesus. We want a meeting with him. Oh, Father, then bless us. Allow the Spirit of God to come to help us. Let the word be taken and applied to our hearts. Again, that not any of us would miss what you're saying to us through the word. Bless us then. Meet with us. Allow Christ Jesus to be uplifted and glorified by what we do in this time, we ask in his precious name. Amen. Our text that we've taken this morning says that Mary, hearing all the things that had to do with the wondrous report of the shepherds, kept in her heart all these things and pondered them. Well, we have to ask the question right to start with, what does it mean to ponder? What does it mean to ponder? It's a word that has an interesting sound to it. But what's the meaning? Well, Noah Webster, a man with whom I've had much conversation over the years, Noah Webster says that this word means to meditate or to consider carefully. 
And that's as far as he goes. I think, though, that there is much more that is suggested by this word than just what Mr. Webster had to say. In fact, I think there are four things that I could point out to you about this word that I think apply to everything that we're going to see this morning from the description of what was in Mary's heart. First, I would suggest to you this, that to ponder, the act of pondering has a continual and progressive aspect to it. When you ponder something, you're doing it more than once. In fact, you're doing it probably more than twice, and you're probably doing it more than a handful of times. You're doing it continually. And as you continue and continue and continue, there is a progress in your thinking leading you to some conclusion or some observation. You don't just think on something for a minute when you ponder it and it passes out of your mind. You think on it slowly. You think on it carefully and from many angles. And then you think on it again and again. And you continue to think and hold it as a matter of ongoing interest and importance. This is not something that one day is important and the next day is not. That's not what it means to ponder. So that's the first thing I would point out to you. You think on it again and again. Second, to ponder, if a man truly is pondering something, he will not be satisfied until he understands and sees the truth of the matter. You have to come to some conclusions. You have to be able to come to a place where you think, oh, I understand. When you're pondering something, you want to understand what it's all about. That's why you see people, um, when they're really thinking, they have a real serious look on their face oftentimes. You know, it's not just the guy that has, just sitting with his hand on his knee and going like this. I'm sure you That happens, I guess. Some people do that. I've never seen anybody do that in my entire life, but that's okay. I guess it's, uh, artists have their, their thing. You have to rest your hand under your head, on your fist or whatever. But you know what I'm saying. When you're pondering something, you won't be satisfied until you come to the point where you understand what the truth of the matter is. Third, I would point out this, that once a man sees the truth, pondering the matter will lead him to ask, how does this apply to me? How is this matter mine? When you really are pondering something, you're not just pondering it because you want to become... Um, astute in your thinking or you want to be uh, able to say I get the intellectual part of this and so aren't I just something that I can reason through no 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 when you're pondering something you want to know how does it come to me how does it affect me what is the application to my life to my heart to my situation you're looking at how it is yours And then I also point out this. When the application of the truth is made and really received in the heart, there's a rejoicing and a thanks that's offered. When you really are pondering something and you come to see how the truth is and how it applies to you, particularly about the things of God, your heart won't let you do anything but rejoice and give thanks. 
That's the mark of a man who truly knows the effect of the truth. Mary, it says in our text, pondered. She kept the things that she had heard in her heart, which indicates that she believed what she was hearing and was waiting to see the unfolding of the plan of God. Now you might just take a step back and ask yourself, what is it possibly that Mary was pondering? What was it that she was going over? And I have to admit, this is where my imagination comes into play. And if you say, brother, you're reading into some things here, you're suggesting some things, I admit it. I am. But I don't think I'm far off. And you can take it for what it's worth. But I will say this. I think that one thing that Mary was pondering was, why her? <laughs> why, why, why did the Lord choose me of all of the women in history? Why me? Why had she been chosen to bear the Savior? Well, let me ask you this. Did she know what the Lord was doing with her? Did she know what the Lord was doing as the Lord announced to her that she would bear the Lord Jesus? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at Luke chapter 1. Back a chapter, you look from verse 46. Where Mary is talking or offering what's called the magnificent. I don't like always trying to assign things that uh, are in the scripture with a special term cooked up by men. But this is a portion where Mary is replying back to the praise that's offered by Elizabeth. She says in verse 46, And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things. And holy is his name. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and the exalted and exalted them low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich hath he sent away empty. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Do you think Mary had an idea of what the Lord was doing with her? Absolutely. Absolutely. She was pondering that. You might also ask this. Maybe Mary was pondering why had she come to such a lowly place as a cattle stall to bear the most precious one who was ever to be born? Why in this place? Wouldn't the Lord's prophecy of the birth of Christ in the city of Bethlehem have been fulfilled just as well in a more comfortable place than this? Why a cattle stall? That's not a small question. <laughs> That's not an easy question necessarily. You might also think she was thinking about this. Why was she brought to the place of giving birth here and at this moment? Why had not the Lord waited or brought the Lord Jesus sooner 
then at this particular moment in this particular place. You'd have to think she'd be wondering about that. You'd also have to think about this. And this is from the immediate context of the scripture here. What was it that the shepherds told her? And uh, what was it that was relayed to them, meaning Mary and Joseph, as these men meekly yet hastily approached the place where the Lord Jesus was and these men told of all that they had heard of the angels. She pondered this. It says it as much. She, what they said, she pondered. And in conjunction with that, you'd have to ask some subsequent questions to that very report. What did the opening of heaven mean? When the shepherds saw that great sight, what did that mean? What did the angels sing? What did that mean? What was the meaning of the message of the angels and their statement, front, a Savior is born in the city of David? This is heaven's announcement of the Lord Jesus. What did it mean? You might also ask the question, what was the star for? Why had it followed them? Could you imagine such a thing? Mary and Joseph making their trek. He walking, she riding on a burrow. The star is following them. They come to where they are in, in Bethlehem. They go into the cattle stall, as it were, and the star is right. What does that mean? What is all this about? You might also have her concluding, as this child is brought forth and laid in the manger, what would this child do? What would this child do? Beyond that, let me ask you this. Could you imagine that Joseph had told Mary all the things that had been revealed to him? Do you remember Matthew chapter 20 or Matthew chapter 1? Joseph has the dream. He's afraid of what the reputation of Mary would be. And the angel, of course, says, don't be afraid to take her. And then the statement, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. Do you think that Joseph maybe had relayed those words to Mary? They were, they were married. They had those numbers of months together before the Lord Jesus came. Do you think he told her? Well, certainly the idea that he would save his people from their sins had to have been something that registered with her. And you say, well, how do you know that? Because they named him Jesus. You know, the name Jesus means Savior. You know, there's another time that Christ was spoken of and Mary pondered. And let me just put this to you. I want you to write this down. Think about this. Ponder this. <laughs> Everything that Mary was pondering was about Christ. Mary wasn't pondering about herself. She wasn't pondering about the times in which she was living. She was not pondering about the, the uh, atrocities of Herod. She was not... These things were subsequent things. She was pondering about the Lord Jesus. There's another time in which it says that she pondered. If you look at Luke chapter 2, back into the chapter where we were reading, and you look over at verse 34, it talks about another time. 
when the Lord Jesus is in her arms and she brings him into the temple. Verse 34, they meet a man named Simeon. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let me just make a comment there. That simply means that Mary would know the pain of seeing her son abused of men. She would know the sorrow of seeing Christ suffer. It does not mean that Mary is co-redemptress. does not mean that. Then if you look down in verse 38, um, excuse me, verse 36, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him, I underscore that, and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. If you were to turn over to verse 51 you would read the statement that Mary also, upon seeing the Lord Jesus in the temple, talking with the the scholars and the doctors and the men of theology, after they had searched for the Lord Jesus, and then she heard the Lord Jesus say to her, I have to be about my father's business. It says in verse 51 uh, there at the end, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. In other words, it says sayings, not saying, meaning it was only about what the Lord Jesus spoke to her that day. I think what you're reading here is that all that you're seeing in this chapter, whether it was a statement of Simeon or of Anna or what the Lord Jesus said, was kept in Mary's heart. She pondered them. Again, she went over them and over them, wanting to know the truth of them. How did this apply to her? How did the work of this child that was born apply to her? Again, I want you to see with me that the question that is is needed at this point is, what was the substance of the pondering? What did she ponder? What was revealed by this thinking? What great truth was to be discerned by the continual consideration of what was said and done as Christ came into this world. And I say that the truth may have come to Mary because it came to all others who studied the scriptures. And it was this. The product of Mary's pondering, and I want you to hear this. What Mary came to see was two things. Christ came to suffer and Christ came to save. I would suggest to you that if you were to read through the volume of the Lord Jesus says in the volume of the book it is written of me, all these things were speaking.
verdict that Christ Jesus must suffer. And he was going to save. Now, my question this morning to you is this. If it was what Mary was to, was to hold in her heart and dwell on, should it be that which your heart ponders and dwells on as well? That's a good question to answer. If the Lord caused Mary to ponder all these things in her heart, don't you think the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father means for you to ponder these things too? I think you're seeing the point of my message this morning, aren't you? You're to ponder. You're to ponder, and there's a result of it. There's a good of it. And I want us to think about these two things that you are to ponder. First, I want you to again see this. Christ came to suffer. So there's my first point. You're to ponder that. You're to think about that. You're to go over and over and over it. There may have been scriptures that came to Mary's mind as she was faced with words such as Simeon's in verse 34 where it says, And he set to fall, to be put down, to be put under the suffering for the sake of those who are the people of God. When Mary heard that, she probably had some scriptures. These people were not ignorant of the scriptures. Isaiah 53. Are you familiar with Isaiah 53? What does it say about the one who comes? Does it not say all through that that he is a man of sorrows, that he bore our griefs, that his stripes were, our stripes were laid upon him, and so forth? Psalm 22 speaks the same way. How about the pictures of the sacrifices? What were all these pictures of the sacrifices meant to show? That the one who would come in the name of the Lord must suffer and die and bleed and bear pain. That, you know, the sacrifices were a grisly sight to see. What were they all telling you? This is what your sin is going to do to the Savior. What about the serpent that was lifted up in the, in the wilderness? Was, it, was that not a picture of the Lord Jesus? Of course it was. John chapter 3 tells us so. What about the ark? That when you're hidden in the ark, you're safe from the wrath of God. Is that not a picture of Christ? Of course it is. I don't think that this was lost on those who were honest scholars of the Old Testament. No, it would speak of the Lord Jesus. Perhaps this is something that the Holy Spirit allowed not only Mary, but others to ponder. How does the one that's here now fit with that? You know, when the Lord Jesus walked with two men on the Emmaus Road after his resurrection, and they reported to him of all the things that they had seen and heard, the Lord Jesus knowing everything that they were telling him, by the way, um, then he turns to them and says, Ought not Christ to have suffered? And then he says a very interesting statement here. And beginning at Moses, he preached to them that it was that the Christ was to suffer. The whole of the Old Testament was teaching that this one who was coming was meant to suffer. This was not a hidden truth. All who looked for the Savior in truth understood that he would bear the reproach of sinners on himself. 
In fact, you'd have to even think this. <laughs> this is where my imagination goes. Perhaps the very surroundings in which Mary found herself that night in which the shepherds came spoke of the Lord as one who would suffer. Suffer in his birth. What do you mean? He was born in a cow stall. Rough and smelly. Animals stomping about. It was less than sanitary. Well, to lie in a manger, I think, is probably okay. But it spoke of going without. There was no proper cradle for him. The very surroundings in which Christ was born spoke of his suffering. So why did he have to suffer? Why did the Lord Jesus have to suffer? Why all this prediction? Why all this prophecy about the coming of the one who would suffer and die and bleed? Why did that have to happen? Well, the answer is this. He had to suffer because you sinned. And you had to suffer for it. If he was to take away your sin, he had to endure the punishment that was due to come to you. Ponder that. There's my point to you. Ponder that. The Lord Jesus had to suffer because you sinned and your sin required him to suffer. Go over that and go over that and go over that. Let that get down deep into your heart. You are to ponder that truth. Oh, let's not be mistaken. You and I have sinned horribly. And we should die for it. But as Paul says in Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore, as one, by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Oh yes, we were those that were deserving to die. We are needing to ponder this. Mary came to understand this. She also, in fulfillment of the very words of Simeon, Mary also came to see the suffering of the Lord Jesus as she stood that day before the cross. There's the sword through her heart. She saw. And let me say this. Nobody ever suffered like the Lord Jesus. You say, well, aren't there people that could have known physical pain in a greater sense than he I'm not going to put that in the scale. But I will say this. No man ever living has known the wrath of God upon him as he was in his agony as Christ did. And that is an infinite difference between physical suffering and what Christ went through. And Mary had to see. Here is this wonderful son. This one who did nothing wrong. Who is the joy of his mother hanging there, bleeding, reviled. She, could she hear the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all that were coming, mocking him? Oh, yes. She saw it. And more though, she saw the wrath of God. She heard the words of Christ, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? She heard all this.
she pondered this. But she also heard something that I think I, that every Christian really deep in their heart wishes that they could hear as well. If we had to stand before that, mo- that day, that moment. And that is the words, it is finished. It is finished. Which brings me then to my second point. She pondered that he must suffer, but she also pondered this, that Christ came to save. He came to save. And what was it that was said to Matthew? And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I'm here to tell you this morning, the Lord Jesus didn't fail. Didn't fail. He came to save. Uh, you know, the earliest days when Mary was expecting, she knew that the Savior of the world was before her. Again, that's why they named him per the instructions of the Lord himself. But I want you to see this with me. The matter that had to come home to Mary's heart was not that the Lord Jesus would be the Savior but that the Lord Jesus would be her Savior. You know, many, and you know this with me, many can consider that the Lord Jesus came to save. But only those that come to the place that the Lord Jesus came to save me will ever be saved. Ponder that. Not enough just to believe the Lord Jesus came to save. You need to be to the place where you understand and see he came to save me. To take away my sins. You know Paul talks about this in the positive and the negative sense in Romans chapter 10. When he says this. Talking about those who would come to realize that the Lord Jesus came to save each one. Verse 13, Romans 10. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now there's a personal thing. You must do that. But then he goes on to say this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. And bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, or Isaiah, saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? You know, it's one thing for a man to come and say that Jesus is the Savior. He puts away sin, he takes away sin. But it's not until those that hear with their ears allow that word to come to their own hearts by the help of the Holy Ghost making them alive where they say he came to save me and now because I realize I need to be saved because I am a sinner and I am under the condemnation of God's wrath I too need to be saved therefore I call upon the name of the Lord
Have you pondered uh, my question to you this morning? Have you pondered that the Lord Jesus came to save you? Because you were a sinner that needed to have your sins taken away? Well, you may say, yes, I have pondered it. Well, my question to you then is, well, what have you done about it? What have you done? Again, we are told to call upon the name of the Lord. Do you know what that means? That means that we are to pray and ask the Lord Jesus to save us and to take away our sins. Now, let me tell you something. What I just said to you is not a formula. <laughs> that you would pray and ask the Lord Jesus to save you and take away. That's not a formula. You know, there was a man that cried out one day, who was saved uh, as a result. He cried out to the Lord with this. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Well, you say, well, that didn't sound very much like what you just said. It wasn't the words, though, that saved him. Understand. It was not the words that saved him. And it, in fact, it was not crying out that saved him. It was that he believed on the Lord Jesus. And the Holy Spirit brought him to ponder and to believe. And therefore he cried out. He cried out with all his heart. And the Lord Jesus said what? This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. That's about as saved as you can be. <laughs> and when the Lord himself says those words. My point to you is this. Have you in your heart pondered and believed and come to the Lord Jesus? What does the Lord Jesus say then to those who do as I just said? John 6 and 37. And him that cometh unto me, I will in no wise cast out. There's your answer. If you come to the Lord Jesus, if you believe on him, and you're calling out to him to forgive your sins, even though you may not say it very well, and you may not really understand all there is to know about theology, you just simply come to the Lord Jesus and ask him to save you. What's he going to do? He's going to say to you, you come to me, I'll not cast you out. I'll not do that. My question then is, have you come? Have you come? Have you pondered? Now, the title of our message this morning was Pondering and the Good of It. Did we ever answer the second half of that title, the good of it? Well, let's do that now. Just as a summation as a conclusion. So, let's consider the good of pondering. First, I have to ask this question. Do you ponder? Number one, do you ponder at all? You know what? We are in an age, and you can't deny this with me, you if you're honest. We are in a day when nobody ponders anymore. You got to spoon feed to me everything. We watch the TV, we listen to the radio, it's all spoon-fed. We don't think anymore. We're in a generation of non-thinkers. Sad. Sad. And let me say this, I think that just about everything that you can get anymore that's electronic is not your friend. <laughs> I just don't know how that you can say, this is um, leading me on to God. It, it, that's a by the way. 
My point is, do you ponder? Do you think? And I'll tell you, meditating upon the truth of God and the scriptures is one of the chief ways in which the Spirit of God means to bless your heart. So, um, first question is, do you ponder? Second question is, what do you ponder? <laughs> That's also a very important thing to answer. That determines what kind of man you are. What do you ponder? What do you think about? What goes on in your What do you come to over and over and over again? Good question to answer. Thirdly, what good does pondering do? Well, I will uh, allow Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 to answer that. Do you know that verse? You ought to know that verse. We memorized it. You remember it? Of course. But thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. What, what was that? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, who ponders, who thinks about the Lord Jesus, who thinks about Christ coming to suffer for me and coming to save me and all the things that I have as a result that I ponder that I go over that and then there's a result that the scriptures tell me that I'm going to glean from all that pondering and that is the Lord's going to keep me not in just acceptable peace but perfect peace and I might couple that with a number of things that Paul says if you want to get a good list of things that the Lord will add to you start reading the end of the book of First Thessalonians. You'll have peace and joy and rest and assurance. Start reading the end of Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. All of these different things are being added to us as we are those who are given to the thinking about the Lord Jesus. Oh, my point to you is this. The Holy Spirit takes the truth that is pondered and applies it to the heart in such a way that there is always a looking to Jesus. And the good of pondering Jesus is freedom of heart and mind. Or as John 8 and 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Do you want freedom of heart and mind? Do you want to be free from the guilt, the shame, the pressures of your depravity? The things that go against you, the onslaught of the wicked one. Who, by the way, by the way, the wicked one cannot stand before the truth of Christ. He hates you to think about Christ suffering and Christ saving. He hates it. But he can't stand it. Just the devil and he will start thinking about the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Don't just say, get away from me. No, that's not the, that's not the, start thinking about Christ. He can't stand it. That's a, by the way, children, that's something that you need to learn early in your life. You resist the devil by thinking about the Lord Jesus. Resisting the devil is not a result of character building. It doesn't happen. Resisting the devil comes by Christ loving. There is freedom from the miseries of sin when the heart is set on the Lord Jesus by faith. Mary pondered. 
all these things in her heart. And again, I come back around. If Mary was led by the Spirit of God to do this, and it's a witness, it's a testimony of her, it's, it's her ongoing witness, then ought you not to do the same. Well, may the Lord bless us and help us for Jesus' sake. Let's all pray. Our Father and our God, now we would pray that you will bless this word. We pray that you will use it. We pray that thou allow it to be that which does its work. Lord, allow us to leave this place as ponderers, helped by the Spirit of God. Bless us as we continue before thee in this day. Allow us to know, again, the continued help of the Spirit of God, upon whom we are all so desperately reliant. We pray that you will bless for Jesus' sake. We pray in his name. Amen.